Hi, I'm Dr. Chris Lee, and welcome to the Healthy Mindfuck Podcast. This show is completely dedicated to helping you remember the infinite potential that is quietly resting within your brain and nervous system. On this show, we go over the stories, strategies, and tips that the world's most successful, purpose-driven companies and people use to live an inspired life. Without further ado, let's jump right in. What is going on, friends? Welcome to what I am most terrified and most excited for, the interview of a lifetime with my dear sweet mother, who is the rock-solid foundation that I think so much of us need right now, especially myself included. Having a woman like this both raise me as a single mom, but also providing me with integration tools um, to make me the crazy person I am today uh, we've been trying to do this for a while now, and I don't think there's a better time than right now, March 30th, in the midst of what is a pandemic, to talk about trauma, fear, and crisis. Ma, Mother Dearest, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. So you have a laundry list. You have a resume that's quite extensive. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Um, and what you continue to do as you are making a shift out of the school systems into private practice. So I've been a school social worker for 30 years. Prior to that, I was a juvenile probation officer. Before that, I was a clinician um, in a mental health facility. Um, And now I uh, own and operate an outpatient uh, clinic clinic, um, that I love. So right now I'm, I'm still doing school social work, but I'm also doing uh, private practice. Um, and I've been in private practice for probably the last 15 years as well. So I've been around the block a couple times. Yeah, she's been doing really extraordinary work. And just so everybody out there understands how humble this woman is, I don't even know, you've probably served what, tens of thousands of students at this point and people in general. Like she's very humble and she's extraordinary at what she does. Like I, I will give you the humble nod on that one. But the thing I want to talk about today most of all is the micro traumas that we are all creating with this pandemic that's going on and the information that we're like feeding ourselves that's kind of like feeding into a lot of the fear. Like I know you see it in what you do with like trauma integration and I see it as well in my tribe and on social media. How can people start to change the story around fear in general? Like how do you help your clients go through that? I think that um, whether it's the coronavirus or a single trauma or a lifetime of chronic stress, um, it basically basically boils down to two emotions, in my opinion, fear versus faith or fear versus love. Um, And we, the extraordinary thing about us as human beings is we get to choose. But sometimes we forget that we get to choose. Um, and we just need we just need reminders because every day we make those decisions on big issues and little issues, um, and it's just important to remember that if you go along with faith or love as opposed to fear, um, it just it just presents all sorts of positive opportunities to us in our bodies, in our relationships, um, in our immune systems. It's just what we were designed to do, but sometimes. We get caught up in the fear. Fear is important. We need it. It, yeah. it saber tooth, you know, living with saber tooth tigers. Oh no. 
we needed the good. fear to, um, to survive, right? But yep. fear, in my opinion, we were only designed to have fear for and for two minutes at the tops just to get us out of a dangerous. Yeah. Um, but now in our world, there's so much input that we, that we stay stuck in fear. And that's not how we're supposed to optimally. For sure. So that makes sense. It, yeah, that makes total sense, right? And I knew this this was going to come up so much where I am going to have to uh, say that you were right, which drives me crazy. So like you, you told me to read Conversations with God, I'm going to say like probably a hundred times in like the last like six or seven years. And I'm finally like getting into it a lot. And so much of what the conversation they have is, is all about remembering that you have choice. And it's, it's not about, um, it's not about learning things. It's about remembering. And that's exactly what you just hit on is like, you always have like the perspective to lean into fear or to go into the expansion of like love and like creation and all of those really beautiful things. And that's a really big responsibility to take. Um, especially with like some of the things that you and I have both uh, been like traumatically gifted with. Um, for me, it's been really easy to rationalize the suppression of those emotions and put that box in box and put that box in another box just because it makes me uncomfortable. How do you help people get comfortable with the discomfort of like emotions? The really cool thing is that we're all, we were all born with the right tools. And we were all born with the innate knowledge to handle anything that comes our way, anything that comes our way. But every now and then we just need a reminder, you know, and that's why we're social beings because we need each other. You know, we need our relationships. We need our people. We need little reminders. And usually with those little tiny reminders, we go, oh, that's right. yeah, thanks. I needed that today. I just needed that reminder. So, um, I think that the, the knowledge that we already have the knowledge that we just need to rely on each other and have these little reminders, um, just knowing that I think makes us more comfortable. Yeah. And you, you are so good at like reading people's body language, myself included, which I love and hate so much. And for those of you wondering out there, like, was your childhood completely like, so Chris, tell me how this makes you feel. It's not at all. Like my mom is so incredible about just holding space. And that's what I kind of want to go into right now is how absolutely important it is to be able to talk things out especially for the people that listen to this. So many of them are like high impact type A entrepreneurs that are just go-getters like myself that I find myself isolating myself thinking that I can do it all. But the moment that like I jam on the phone with you for five minutes or grandma calls me because she always knows when to call, I feel so much better. Like, what do you think that block is for like me? Like, feel free to like pry open my life. And for like a lot of people that they just think that they want to do it on their own, that they're strong enough to do it on their own. Do you have any ideas about that? I think that vulnerability is huge. I think that for the most part, and I would love to choose you for this. Go ahead. Send her. Now, I just think that people are afraid. Like, they think they should know. And if they don't know, it's a weakness. 
or if they can't get where they want to be, that they should be able to figure it out because it's their life and their bodies. And especially people where they've been gifted with really great lives, you know, they just think that they should be able to figure this stuff out. People, people who have experienced, you know, trauma or crisis or difficult moments, they, they feel vulnerable discussing those moments. And it's kind of crazy because if you think about it, we've all experienced those moments. Some of us, we've all have really great lives. Some of our lives have been great in our childhood. Some are will be great. Um, but we all have really great moments and we all have really difficult moments and challenging moments to deal with. And I think that that vulnerability is huge. We're so afraid of showing our true self or showing our vulnerabilities and not being accepted because mm. we are such social beings, you know? We, oh, yeah. The greatest needs we have is the need to belong. And oh, we yeah. appear to be inferior or um, struggling in any way. I think that we feel we may be rejected. So it's very difficult to get past that. Um, and then, and then once you do, though, once you walk through that door of, okay, I'm going to let you see my vulnerabilities, it really opens up another world because people are like, oh, you got vulnerabilities? Me too. Yeah. I'm just as messed up as you are. Yeah. I didn't know you had any. Geez, I'm not the only person in the world that's worried or afraid or, you know, is is thinking that people (laughs) think I'm stupid. This is great. I have so many things to share with you now. And it is great. You just got to have the bravery to take that first step, I think. Um, and that's what this season of life has been for me is like, okay, like what actually have I been like suppressing? And now like, do I have the faith to really lean in and open myself up and then like have conversations about that? But that's hard to do, like expressing that vulnerability, even like when I know other people are like just as much of a train wreck, like I had this idea that I needed to be like perfect in a way. And that perfectionist mindset is like running around this world right now, like a plague in and of itself. Like, what what do you think like that, like, where do you think that comes from? I feel like um, that perfectionist is in a world right now that is unprecedented and feels way out of control and a lot of it is scary. I think that perfectionism or that need not to be vulnerable is all about being in control. We don't know what's going to happen next, oh in or next in our life. It's, you know, we're glued to the news and we're trying to figure out like what's going on in this world. Is this pandemic going to slow down? What's going to happen next? Um, and so when we can't control our outside environment, I think we become very rigid in controlling ourselves and our internal world and who we are and what our next steps are. That uncertainty scares me. We, yeah, we probably notice people doing a whole lot more cleaning, a uh, whole, whole lot more reading, a whole lot more just things that they watching what they're eating, dieting, exercising, you know, trying really to control that internal world. Something that is really healthy and awesome. That's all that we just need to be aware of, you know, like, is this really in our best interest? Why are we doing this? You know? And I've caught myself doing that in the midst of this. Like, I'm an at home entrepreneur myself. Um, and I'm catching myself distracting with healthy habits. And it's not that they're bad, but like I am still like distracting from like the uncomfortability and that emotion is still getting like lodged into the body somewhere. And I know you and I have had the discussion about like the, the body keeps score book. And like, if you're not going to experience the uncomfortability, it's going to stay in there. Like that doesn't just like, oh, poof, go away. 
and it's such a body feeling like how how can we get people out of their head and in a way into their body again so you're brilliant when it comes to brain and understanding brain operations and i appreciate that but i'm going to simplify it and thanks mom such a like simple form that i can understand it makes it easy for me to use that i think that your viewers viewers will understand as well um, I think for our purposes today, there are two parts of the brain that we need to be aware of. One is the hind, which sits right back here, our inner brain. And that part of our brain is responsible for all of our automatic functions, breathing, digestion, um, uh, heart rate, body temperature. It tells us when we're hungry. It tells us you know, when we're cold. It's all the automatic stuff we don't even think about. Um, it just happens. Our eyes blink, you know, it tells us when we're thirsty or, or it's just all of the automatic stuff that we don't even think about. And the other part of our brain, which sits right on top of that, is, is the outer part of the brain. And this part of the brain is our thinking brain. Our personality is there, our memory is there, our ability to learn, our goals, our dreams, our hopes, everything that we, our language center, everything that we think about, everything that we really are that would define who we are is in this part of the brain, the outer brain. So the automatic part of the brain, the hind brain, what's in there also is, because this brain is geared for survival, right? It keeps us alive. This, we need this to keep alive. We don't even have to think about it. Smarter than we are, it just does it for us, which we really appreciate. I can't imagine having to think about my heart beating or my, my you know, being able to breathe every second of the day. It just does it for us. But what's also in this part of the brain is our fight, flight, or freeze part of survival mode. Right? So, and then fight, flight, or freeze, if we're ever threatened and we have to fight or flight or freeze to stay alive, we can't think. It shuts this part of the brain down to save our energy so that we can get out of a really difficult situation or life-threatening situation in order to survive. So this goes away, and even though we may have some verbal or it appears that we have some reasoning processes, we really don't. We're just going back on memory on brain pathways that have already been established to get us out of a situation. Mm. They say to me, you know, well, what, what happens when I get so scared or I feel threatened? Like, all of a sudden I can't think. All I do is yell. I don't, I don't react well. I become a person that I'm really not. No, you are the person that you're supposed to be because you're trying to get out of that situation. Or you can't process or you can't reason, right? The brain has to come back in order to do that. We have to get out of fight and flight, and this part of the brain has to come. So having said all that, I feel like in this world that we're in right now, chronic stress going on. And chronic stress, and we're being flooded with new information that's scary. And I think that chronic stress causes us to remain in the fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain. So we're barely functioning. We're relying on prior memories and prior brain pathways to get us through unprecedented times. It's very difficult to do that. So this part of our brain is shut down more than this part of our brain, the fight or flight part of our brain. And in order for us to function at our optimal best, we have to bring this part of our brain back mm. so far. Yeah, no, that's, that's elegantly put. That's 5,000 hours of neuroscience that I, I have invested my life into in five minutes. So thank you for making, and, and, it's, and it's, so, it's so important to recognize that. And there's a huge point that I want to point out to our listeners right now. And it's the fact that when, when you go into that fight, flight, or freeze, it's not always like bluntly obvious. No, but not at all. What you said is, uh, 
I, I am somebody different than when I am in like a normal state. And that, right. that is abundantly true. Um, and I, I think it's really crucial for people to recognize like some of the very subtle signs and then also some of like the big ones. Cause the macro traumas, the really big ones, uh, like right. losing a parent or uh, the pandemic that's going on, like those are easy like triggers to recognize. Like, all right, I got sweaty palms, hearts racing, but it's the micros. It's that those little like drops of water. Those are the ones that I'm recognizing are really taking a toll right now. So if you add all those micros up, that's, that puts us in fear. That's the fear versus faith. And it keeps us in fear. So the one simple thing that we can do with that to get out of this part of the brain and to bring this part of the brain back, it's so simple. All we need to do is relax. When we relax, the fight, flight, or freeze settles down. Our automatic functioning comes back. So our digestive, our heart rate, all of that. That's, that's what's functioning there, which gives us more energy for this part of the brain to come back. So now we can process what's going on and we can make a plan and we can go forward with that. All we have to do is relax. Once we relax, it's almost immediate. You'll feel the difference. Once we relax, this brain comes back and all of a sudden we can think more clearly. We can process. We have our language ability. We're not in anger anymore. We're not in anxiousness anymore. We're not scared. We're not nervous we can process mm. the present moment. When fight or flight is there, it's getting us out of our situation. When it's chronic stress, we're dealing with fear all the time. We're always worried about what's coming next. When we relax, we can just be in our present moment and be still for a minute and figure out what's going on. So just having that knowledge, I think is super important. Yeah. Once we have the knowledge and we can recognize that we're in fight or flight, and we really want to bring our thinking part of our brain back, just knowing that empowers us, right? Knowledge is power. Yeah. So now we have the power to be in control of our body again and to recognize what's going on so that we can bring back this part of function. One more thing I'm going to let you take over for a second. The way that we relax, the easiest way that I know that we can relax our, our bodies is four-square breathing. Mm. And we've used a derivative of this before. And four-square breathing is literally breathing in through your nose to a count of four Holding it for a count of four, blowing out through your mouth, to a count of four, holding it out to a count of four. So if we were all to do it together, in, hold it, out, and your body should literally collapse when you breathe it out. Hold it for a count of four, out, one more time, in, hold it. Out. If we froze our moment in time right now, when we blew it out and our body had collapsed a little bit, that's what feeling relaxed is. That's the state of relaxation that we want. That's the state that we're hoping to achieve to bring this part of the brain back. If you did that four square breathing five, six, seven times and really focused on the relaxation, taking in a deep breath, filling up your, your balloon, holding it, slowly blowing it out until all of the air was out, relaxing for a minute and doing it all over. If you did that five, six, seven, eight times, you would achieve that state of calm. You would bring your thinking part of your brain back and then you would be able to function at your optimal best. That's so beautiful. And, it, and it's so 
it's so simple, but it works so dang well. Like this is the thing that I don't know who I'm speaking to, whether it's like people on Wall Street that like make millions of dollars a year, or if I'm talking to like students that are in like third grade, I teach them that. And I'm, I know you do the same because it's so simple but it works every time because like you said, fear is trying to like future cast you and take you out of the present moment to the worst case scenario. Like that's just a really great default setting, but you need to get out of that so that you can experience and put your best self back in the driver's seat again. And it's not that the fear is wrong. That's a huge shift that I've been making. It's that it's perfect in the moment and to validate I'm doing my best, right? My nervous system's having this reaction for a good reason. Something is trying to like threaten my meat suit survival. But if I remember that I'm an infinite being inside of a meat suit, then it's like, okay. And now I have tools to remember that and actually experience it. And that's what small breath exercises like that do. Every time you do that exercise, you have two jars that are filled with marbles. One is completely stacked and it's your fear jar. But every time you do this breath work, you are taking a marble out and putting it back into that conscious mind where your best self, your higher cognitive emotions go. And the moment that you hit that 51st marble, that 51st percent, you are back in the wheelchair way more often than you are not. And that is when you start to get the transformational moment because I think people expect with all the social media that's going out there and everything that's going on that when you have these breakthrough moments, the clouds part, harps are playing and the sun bursts through the clouds. But for me, it's been sitting down, either writing in a journal or doing a simple exercise like that when Phoenix, my daughter, is just going bananas and like, okay, She's like threatening my meat suit or something like that. And my body has the reaction, but I've trained my system now to not just lose its marbles and go haywire because then I lose my ability to be present with her. And then she picks that up. And now we have transgenerational trauma that's just being passed down again and again. And I think now more than ever, we not only have the information, but we're implementing it with practitioners like yourself that are teaching this and we're healing so much of what's going on. And it's, it's beautiful to witness. Yeah. I think that people think like fear, anxiety, worry, um, those are bad emotions. They're shamed. They are genuinely shamed. But they're not, there's not really a bad emotion. They're so important because Mm. fear, worry, anxiety, they're clues. They're clues to tell us that there's there's a trigger going on in our world right now that doesn't make us feel comfortable. And if we allow ourselves to feel those emotions for a minute and to recognize it as a clue to us to help us understand ourselves better, then that's exactly what it was designed to do. So we don't want to get rid of it. We just want to acknowledge it, be with it, figure out why we're having it, and then deal with it. You uh, know, yeah. so that we so that it can move on, and so can we. They're very yeah. important. Us. We don't so not want to have them. We just don't want to have them for a really long time. Yeah. We acknowledge it, figure out what's going on for us, calm ourselves down so we can get to the thinking part of our brain to figure it out, correct or change what it is that's making us feel uncomfortable, which is our GPS system that mm. wants to always keep us at our optimal best. So it's you know, our, our fear and our anxiety and our stress is doing us a huge favor. It's just, it's just saying, oh, you got, you, you made a wrong turn there. Let's, let's make the right turn. Let's correct that. Let's go back. It's a GPS system. Super valuable, really important to have. We just don't want to stay there. 
Exactly. And one of my mentors just gave me like a really beautiful hit and insight into seeing it from a different perspective. And it's that fear enhances focus. It puts you so directly in the pathway of like something is uncomfortable. You have something to heal versus something's trying to kill and murder you and you need to run because that was a really great system when something was actually threatening our survival. But 90% of that fight or flight response now, it's all perceived. It's all thought. It's all emotion around something that's not truly trying to kill you. Because if you get into a car accident, like you have that fight or flight system come online, but most of us now create this stress that's just in your head. So when you are able to drop out of that and say, okay, I'm having a bit of a response now, like, and do the introspective asking questions of what is this? Like, what about this is something that I can start to heal. Then we can go to counseling therapy and be able to have somebody there that can facilitate us guiding to what that core belief actually is. If we weren't uncomfortable, you know, if there wasn't discomfort in our life at some level or some way, we would have no need to change, right? But we're evolving uh, beings. Like we were designed to constantly grow and learn and change and evolve. We we do it innately, but we wouldn't. We would be stagnant if we weren't uncomfortable. That's what kind of propels us to make change. So fear, anxiety, stress, worry, not bad. It helps us make changes that we need to change. It reminds us that there's something that that can that we could do better. There's something exactly. uncomfortable that we can change. We don't have to stay there. We're not meant to stay there. That we can get rid of it. We can fix it. We can get better. We can go see a clinician or a counselor. We can talk with our loved ones. We can, you know, exercise. We can journal. We can, you know, there's a plentitude. We can pray. We can meditate. There's so many things that we can do to figure out why we're, why we're feeling so uncomfortable. A lot of times it's helpful to see someone else. Yeah. Sometimes we can talk it out with other people. If we, if we do that and it doesn't seem to be working for us, that's another clue. Okay, let's take it to the next level. Yeah, we all have a different system that responds to different things. Just like somebody can read a textbook and they just get it. But so many of us are kinesthetic learners that need to like have the malleability of it. Our system is extremely similar in that way that if if everything was like really good or if you don't have like any breakdown moments, it's clarity through contrast, right? Like if you really want to head in a direction of like authentic truth and finding like who you really are, you need to have those breakdown moments and be able to check in and say, oh, something in here is like not really feeling right. And that's that internal GPS that you're talking about. And I I think so many of us are not checked in enough with their body or we have this mindset around expectation that we're supposed to be someone instead of just who we are and to validate ourselves that it becomes challenging to really like, oh, is this actually what I want or is this what somebody is telling me to think what I want? How can people go down that rabbit hole? Because it's, it's a little bit of a squirrely path, right? It's, it's a little bit like unclear. Um, but I think now more than ever, people have the time at home to go down and ask themselves, 
And I, I've heard it a lot just in the neighborhood and with people I'm connecting with that they're like, holy cow, I get to work from home and it's incredible. Like, I don't know why I'd ever go back to work. And I'm like, great. That's a really great clarity through contrast. How can people start to like divulge into that GPS system and then ask the proper questions to say, what do I really deserve from life? Well, that's a really good question. I had a couple different thoughts when you were saying that. But I think the, like you told me a while ago, like, I, you know, I'm always looking for healthy ways to eat, you know, and I'm, and I'm always saying to you, like, should I be eating more of this? Should I take this supplement? What, you know, what should I do, you know, to, to really be at my optimal best? Because you really have a good understanding of that. And one of the one of the most helpful things that you said to me is, Mom, when you eat something, after you finish eating something, pay attention to how you feel. Your body will tell you if that's the right food for you, if that's the food that you needed, or if it was not the food that you needed. Just pay attention to how you feel. And that was great advice, and I use it all the time. And I think that you know, as far as our thinking goes, and our bodies go, and our intuition. I think it's the same thing. Pay attention to how you feel. Does it? Does that thought feel right to you? Does that thought make you feel good? Does that thought provide like an aha moment or a, yeah, this is right. This is how it feels for me. Um, pay attention to how you feel. Your body won't lie. It will always tell you your truth. And I think that we have to always pay attention to our truth. A question that I, I tell my clients to ask themselves all the time is, is it true? Is this thought, is it true for me? Is this thought true for me? So when I got up this morning, of course, I was inundated with news on coronavirus and it was a little bit scary, right? So my thought is, oh, I can't go to any stores. I, I should stay home. I don't want to go out. And then, then my question is, wait a minute, is that true for you? Mm. Well, I really shouldn't go out to stores. I really shouldn't go out. I really should stay home. Is that true? Well, no, because I do need to get food at some point in time. And I know that I feel better when I'm outside. So is that your truth? Yeah, because I like to go out and I like to run and I like to be in nature and you know, I'm, I need to have fresh food. I like to eat fresh food. Yeah. You know, so, so asking that multi-layer, is that true for you? Is that really true for you? Um, I think is important because we get an initial thought and you hit the nail on the head a minute ago. We don't, our brains don't know the difference between what is real and what is imaginary. So we're afraid of our thoughts and our thoughts aren't necessarily always based on So we have to be careful of that. We have to make sure that what we're thinking is true for us. That's, that's a huge point. And the hit that's coming up for me right now is asking so many of us know and know that we should be doing something differently and that we have these patterns and then we continue to self-sabotage because it's comfortable to sit in what is familiar. Like mm -hmm. how can we help go into that new life that we are deserving of, but also not stretch too much to the point that we're freaking out our nervous system and like completely like, it's, it's like the Tony Robbins effect, right? Like you go to the Tony Robbins, you get juiced up and you are fired up and you go home and you're crushing and all these new things for two weeks. And then you look at two months ahead and you are the same person. Like where's the sustainability behind 
like creating a new life for yourself versus like the self-sabotage. I'm going to go back to what's familiar. Great question. Um, I think it lies in simplicity. You know, I think sometimes we try to take on too many things all at once and try to affect like this huge change when really if we take baby steps and stay, stay our course, we're definitely going to get where we want to get. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I, I think that it takes 15 days minimum habit. It takes like 30 days for the new habit to even like start to take hold a little bit. And then it takes probably three to six months for the old habit to be gone and the new habit to come in. So the problem that we have, you're super blurry right now, by the way. The problem we have is that, um, that we, we take these monumental changes and try to try to make them work for us. And we miss all the little steps in between. So I think mm-hmm. the fear and the anxiety and what's going on around us, there's little steps that we could do to change that. The first little step is awareness, like what we just talked about. What's going on in our brains and what's going on in our bodies? Are we paying attention to our system? Just, paying, just being aware of that. The second little step that we can do is the breathing. So getting ourselves out of fear and flight and back into the rational thinking part of our brain where we can relax. Second step that we can take. The third step that we can take to keep us from going back to the fear zone is to really um, it's gratitude. I think that that's huge yeah. for reasons. One, um, if you're in the state of gratitude, your vibrational frequency, your emotional state goes up. You know, you, you just feel better when you're in a place of gratitude. The second reason that it's so important is that when you're in a place of gratitude, you kind of force your brain to see positive things. The world is a positive place instead of a negative place. So I tell my clients um, every day that they should get up and, and have a gratitude partner that they talk with and share one thing that they really appreciate about their life. Every morning, what is it that you're most grateful for today? What is it? And at the end of every day, you can grab that gratitude partner or you can talk to someone else, maybe, maybe even at the dinner table with your family. You talk about three things that happened during the day that you really yeah. And they do different things every day. And they could be big things like, you know, um, we went on this really great drive down by the river. It was incredible. It could be something as little as something I got to put sunglasses on, or I found a stick of gum and I really like to chew gum, or I wear my favorite socks. It doesn't matter. Or this person, you know, opened the door for me at the store and I really appreciated it. Or, or I, this random person smiled at me today. And it was really incredible because just that smile kind of warmed my heart. It's just paying attention to the positive things that are going on in the world all the way around us because we're being fed through the news and the media constant negative things. We have this barrage of negativity going on in our world around us. It's so easy to get caught up in that. We forget to look at the positive things that are going on. So that simple shift in focus can make really incredible things happen. It's, it's so profound the effect that habits have on sustainability of who you're trying to become and this is like that whole like thoughts emotions behaviors paradigm like look at how you are behaving today how you've been behaving for the last week since most of us have like uh been quarantined and things like that and then that is a direct reflection of who you believe that you are 
So if you're inside crushing Netflix and doing things like that, at some point in your life, you've put up a barricade to distract and now that's your autonomic system versus people like hopefully the ones that are listening to this right now that are still like going in and doing their work, getting up early, having a gratitude partner, journaling, meditate, prayer, having conversations with people, whatever it may be to enrich the quality of your life. And it's, it's truly as simple as like, do you want to live the default system of, Oh my gosh, life is happening to me and you are the victim of your circumstances. Or do you really want to design the way that you interpret reality and what it is that you deserve and finding what that emotion is and then putting that into your life one puzzle piece at a time. And then as you put those puzzle pieces in, in three to six months, you're going to look down and you'll be able to have the full picture and go, oh my gosh, life is extraordinary. When did this happen? And it doesn't happen day by day. Like you can't look at the single puzzle piece and say, wow, what a piece of art. You have to have the whole thing, but you only get to put one puzzle piece in a day. That is like, I mean, routine and all of that is so important. And I think it's so simple that people like brush it off, like, or I'll do it tomorrow. That's my favorite. Like dropping into doing those things. That was something that I know we always did at our family dinners. And you were like so big on that is like, we're going to have family dinners and we're going to talk about stuff like who had a bad day. And it's like, well, screw it. I don't want to talk about it. And you're like, good. Talk about it. Express, express your emotions. That's exactly what I want to talk about. Then. Yeah. It's exactly what I want to talk about. Tell me how bad your day was, honey. You're like, I don't want to talk about it. I think that was the day that you said, out of all the moms in the world, I had to get the social worker. Yes. Yes, you did. Blasted, right? And now I'm over here like having breakfast with Phoenix. Like, what are you most scared of today? Like, what are you excited about learning today? Like, and and that's so much of like, it's okay to fail because you learn from it. Yes. Like, process and integrate those things. Like, it, it's important and it's and it's so vital to our emotional stability and our emotional well being that we claim responsibility for our lives. And that's a that's a heavy bill to take. But when you can start to claim it you become like bulletproof in a way because nothing can hurt you. It's all through the filter of this is happening for me. Yeah. I'll, I just want to change that word from failure to challenge, you know, mm. mistakes. we definitely, we're supposed to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Um, yeah. failure. It's, it's a learning curve. It's a learning experience. Make a mistake. Sometimes we fall down, we get up, we brush ourselves off and then we go on and we don't, that mistake again sometimes we do sometimes we make we fall in the same hole over and over and over until we remember that we should just walk around the hole and not fall back into the hole but it was important we obviously needed to do that and that's okay it's okay to do that yeah and i think so much of of that is being able to do those daily practices and check in with yourself for what's real because the universe will give you the whispers and then it'll get the conversation and then you get the argument and then you get the two by four to the back of the head because you're just right. not listening. Like, right. and I think that's the point where people like reach crisis mode in their life and they have to like completely break down to ground zero. And I think a lot of the message that you and I share is like, yes, like we run into people that are at that point. And at the same time that that's a really great opportunity to rediscover your truth. In a lot of ways, it's not necessary either. If you stay on your path and do the daily work and, you know, understand the challenges are here for you. That's when life like really becomes this like beautiful expression of like present moment. This is awful. And it's great at the same time. Well, and if you hit that wall, that's just your GPS saying to you, let's steer in another direction. 
Yeah. It's not, it's not an ending. It's a beginning. You know, you, it's time to make a, a right hand turn because you're, you just need to head in a different direction. Exactly. I wanted to touch on this because um, I know our time is running out, but one other thing I wanted to touch on is and how important it is. You said like if you're overdosing on Netflix or whatever as a distraction, I, I think that's okay. I think distractions are important that every now and then we can't get out of our head or we can't get out of that fear of light face. We just can't get away from it. And at that point, it is important to have a distraction. Netflix, YouTube, yeah. you know, on the computer, gaming, running, exercise, whatever it is. But the thing is, we get stuck in the distraction. Mm-hmm. And the distraction is a healthy thing for us to do, but we can't stay there. Yeah. You know, we go there, we relax a little bit, we think about something completely different, we get out of whatever it is that's troubling us for a minute, read a good book, write poetry, journal, like we get out of our head for a minute, and that is super, super important to do. Yeah. But then, but we can't stay in distraction. You know, we use it for what it's worth, an important tool. And then we come back to our life and, and continue to move forward in our life. That's such a big point. And that's yeah. one of those, that's like one of the, the perfectionist mindsets that I've created for myself. That's like, if you watch a movie, you better go like crank out like 50 emails afterwards, right? And, it, and it's so much of the, it's okay to take a freaking break, right? Yeah. Especially for the listeners of this, like I know most of them are just like, I have 20 extra minutes, like I'm going to work out. And like, instead of just like, why don't you just go like watch TV, like, and, and just chill and just be a human being for a second. Like that yeah. stuff's okay. And be okay with that. Like you yeah. need that. Like if your brain is saying to you, I need a break, I really want to go watch a Seinfeld episode or something, then go do it because you need a break. Give yourself a break. Just come out of the break. Yeah. People, and that's the schedule that you referred to earlier that's so important, the structure in your day. Like, like still make sure that you're hitting the other stuff. Absolutely take a yeah. break. Take five breaks. Take 15 breaks. I don't care how many you take. Yeah. Structure too. It Have all your depends, yeah. How do you want to live your life, right? Like, do you want to have like a life that's like built around the things that you love? And like, for me, I love working. I love having conversations like this and just jamming out. Or do you just like want to constantly and perpetually just go, 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 go? Because that will inevitably without fail lead you to burnout. A hundred percent. That is a one plus one equals two. Burnout is coming. Yeah. One thing, if there's one takeaway from this, it's balance. Mm. Everything, you know, it's the whole yin yang thing, you know, there's good, and bad. there's bad, that's okay. You know, there's breaks and there's work. Good, do it. You know, you feel, you feel happy, you feel sad. Yeah, yeah, there's, it's just a give and take constantly. It's the all of the time and that's balance. And you make sure, you know, once in a while, you're going to want to eat food that's not good for you. Yeah. But most of the time, you're going to want to eat healthy food and that's balance. It's okay. Yeah. And that's the perfect story of my life. Like, you know, when I get like super stressed and just need a break, I'm going to go throw on a Disney movie. I'm going to smash a pizza, full gluten, full cheese, all of it. I will absolutely smash a pizza and watch some Netflix because I know my inner mentality is, no, we're going to crush through this thing. And that's unhealthy. And it's led me to burnout often in my young entrepreneur life. And it's not sustainable for me. And it's also not sustainable to be a parent or a partner for somebody. But having those minutes and so like, all right, I'm going to stay up a little bit later tonight and just be 26 for a second and eat yeah. pizza and like watch a yeah. movie because I need it and I'm not going to judge myself against it. And pulling out yeah. of that judgment is like, oh, cool. 
look, I wake up the next day and like the world isn't falling apart. Like I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's completely being true to yourself. It's just knowing what you need and not being afraid to meet those needs. Oh yeah. This is such a perfect way to end this show. Ma, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so, so much. And you if people want to find out any more information on anything that we talked about, is there any recommendations that you would give to them? She's like, um, uh, reading books. What, what are you talking about? Like, recommendations? Yeah. is there any, like, is there any books on your, on your nightstand right now that are just really speaking to you that you'd like our listeners to maybe go dive into? Oh, there's so many good books that I don't even know where to begin. I think that the Conversations with God is a great book. I think that the, there's a book, um, The Ultimate Guide to Self-Confidence. Mm. Great book about, it's a, it's, a, it's a short book, it's an easy read, but it's it'll ring true for so many people. And hold on. This is the most mom moment ever. <laughs> hold on, sweetie. The Ultimate Guide to Self-Confidence. Who's the author of that? This is about to be a crazy moment. Dr. Anthony. I am literally listening to that book on Audible right now. We did not script this. I'm literally listening to that right now, though. Yeah, how crazy is that? There are no it accidents. <laughs> it is a great book. This is perfect. Today, that's the one that came to mind, so that must be the one that I'm supposed to put out there. Beautiful. Ma, thank you so much again. I can't wait to have you on next time. You're welcome, Chris. I love you. Love you, too.